So we are going to be plunging into the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the nine gifts spoken about in 1 Corinthians 12. And I hope that you guys listened to what I asked you to do and you read through during the week. Uh, I see some people smiling and other people hanging their heads in uh, shame. Get a D plus. It's okay for you showed up. Let me just start with a prayer. Father, we thank you that these things you've given us through your Holy Spirit are meant, Lord, for the equipping of your people, your saints. For such a time as this, we need your power. We need these gifts, Lord. Not as little trinkets or something we did back in the 80s or the 90s, Lord, but we need them today. Lord, that your people would shine like never before. And we'd be wise, Lord, in all that we do, knowing that you know the days that we've got here left. Help us, Lord, to count each day. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, right now, that you would be an honored guest among us, sir. Lord, that you would reveal these things to myself, to your people, that we might understand, Lord, in our heart. Lord, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. You would open them up. The things that we've forgotten, Lord, you would awaken once again. We just bless you, and we believe that you're going to be here. We expect you to be here. And we thank you for being here as we lifted up Jesus today in worship. Oh, come Holy Spirit. Amen. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go back over those again in 1 Corinthians 12. Starting with verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, and another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy into another discerning of spirits, into another different kinds of tongues, into another the interpretation of tongues. So there's nine of them all together. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yes. And I know that there's been other teachers in the past that kind of have broken them down in three sections, uh, three of three. Uh, today, Lord willing, if we can get through three of them, we're, we're doing the gifts of revelation, uh, which is the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discernment of spirits. And um, like I said, I used to teach before I got into law enforcement over at Job Corps, so I had to kind of be creative in some of the things I did to capture the students' attentions. <laughs> and um, I... 
for the next couple of weeks, and then even this week, we're going to try it out. I'd like to see if we could have a practical application to the things that we're talking about, and I'll explain a little bit more as we move along. So, the three we're going to talk about today, wisdom, knowledge, and the discernment of spirits. Um, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, uh, that is meant for our senses. It's meant for the believers and for the unbelievers as well, so they can see these things, so they can feel these things, so they can sense these things. That is how the Holy Spirit operates in each one of us. And these gifts, they are not natural, they are supernatural. We need supernatural power. We worship and believe in a God that we can't see. That's supernatural. It's by faith that we believe. And we need to apprehend these gifts, that they are supernatural too, and we need them today. Each of these, each one of these gifts, they're available to all believers And I know you guys have heard me say this before. Um, Being born again is wonderful. It's incredible. It's essential. Um, But as a Christian, our goal now is not just to make it into heaven. We're making it into heaven. He called us. He's going to keep us in our hands, in his hand. Um, But being born again and being a little baby is just its not the end of who we are as Christians. That's just the beginning step. And just like when you get married, you guys remember some of you have been married before and are married. Um, that day when you did make those vows to your husband or to your wife, I mean, that's wonderful. That's the beginning of your marriage, but it's just the start of it, though. It's just the beginning. And if you didn't realize the, the glory and the wonders and sometimes the horrors that come along with it, we probably wouldn't have like, there's no way I would have done that. But God brings us through each day. And just like we don't really completely understand salvation when he presented the gospel to us. When the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, opened our heart to know who Jesus was. We don't understand that completely. There's no way. I don't even think throughout eternity we're going to be able to grasp what that salvation means. It's going to keep growing. So now we have these gifts that we need while we are here. To do these things, to build each other up, to edify one another. And also, it's a sign for unbelievers as well. Word of wisdom. And the way I look at it with the word of wisdom, um, one of the things I studied about is to give right direction. To point us in the right direction. And you guys remember the story of Saul when he was attacking the church and persecuting it. Why don't we just go ahead and turn there real quick in Acts. The Bible says it a lot better than I do. This is Acts chapter 9. Starting with verse 3. And as he, Paul, journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. 
Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And we all know the story from then on. Paul got um, a 180 right there, persecuting the church. And if I can watch you guys to kind of notice there, too, um, in that he didn't say, Why are you persecuting you know, my children or my church. He's like, why are you persecuting me? Just think about that for a second. And how important each one of you are to him. He identifies with you. We need to have our hearts and eyes open that we must identify with him. Amen? All right. A word of wisdom here. It seems kind of, well, how's that a word of wisdom? The Lord gave him directions right there. He was going in one direction. And he spoke to him from heaven. All he saw was a light, and then he was blinded by that light. He said, go to Damascus, and I will tell you what you need to do next. Sometimes in our own life, people have given us words of wisdom. Direction, correction, sometimes comes along with that. Jesus said something really interesting here. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard this teaching before. Back in the day when they used oxen or horses or mules to help plow the fields, uh, they had like a little pointer that if the ox or the horses were getting off track a little bit, they poke them in their hind ends to get them back on track. And sometimes those, you know, they didn't like it, so they kick against it. And that was also kind of detrimental to the animal as well. But, I mean, that's what, how the Lord was speaking to Paul. He understood that completely. And it was painful. And I think something had happened in his mind, too, when Stephen, you know, when he was standing there watching him get stoned to death, something happened that was painful to his conscience to observe that. And even though he went on a rampage against the church, it bothered him. It bothered him that he was fighting against the truth. But now he met the truth. And he was going in a new direction. Because he didn't have to make that decision. He could have kept going. He could have been blind his entire life and gone his own way. But he didn't. God had called him before he was in his mom's stomach. He went and turned around. And that right there to me is a word of wisdom. It can come through you too. I know there's been many times uh, in my life with my parents uh, calling me out on things in a loving way. You know, telling me things I didn't know about. And I remember the Lord spoke to me many years ago, probably about 19 now. I think it's about 19 years ago. And um, I was at the inn. And I remember I was out, I think I was doing some yard work. And um, what, by the way, if you go to the end, you're going to be working a lot. That's okay. Right, Noah? Okay. He's so tired he can barely shake his head. But I was out there working, and the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And he goes, prepare your heart and mind for marriage because it's coming soon. 
out there with the weed eater. It's like, I must be really thirsty or something. Because uh, I, was, I was happily single, I guess. You know, I was like 28 or 27 at the time. I can't remember. And um, I was like, okay. And I said, uh, so I just, you know, I got done with my work. And we had supper that night. I remember Larry Pons was there. So I we went and grabbed a seat with him. And uh, I was like, hey, Larry. He's like, I think I heard from, from the Lord. And he goes, well, what is it? So I told him. And uh, Larry's a fast eater. He's just like, just, you know, chowing down and stuff. And <laughs> He goes, okay. He was like, well, we'll be praying about that, Josh. And he said, um, he's like, are you serious about this? And I was like, I think the Lord's saying that to me. And he goes, okay. So I think that week we were preparing to uh, go on a camping trip. And I hadn't said this to anyone else besides Larry, but we had to, like, break up into groups, and we had to go to Walmart to get supplies for a camping trip. And... Um, a young lady was with me during that time, and uh, we were talking, and um, you know, I didn't really know her. I think it was like the first or second week we were there, and uh, she just happened to ask me. She's like, so, it's like, is the Lord saying anything to you? And usually I'm very guarded about that kind of stuff, especially with strangers. I was like, it's kind of funny you mentioned that. Uh, I said, I believe the Lord gave me this word for myself about preparing my heart and mind for marriage. And, she, you know, she just starts laughing. And I laughed about it, too. He's like, that's really, you know, kind of ridiculous. But it was Becky that was uh, the one that, <laughs> and it's, that's a true story, you know. Um, God really has a sense of humor, too. And uh, he uses things like that to prepare us for a new course, to get us ready for that next step. And thank God that I took that next step. It's an act of faith as well to get married or to stay single. It's a calling, either one. So don't look down on one or the other and stuff. It's all there for the Lord and whatever he has for you. So that to me was God speaking very clearly and directly about a change that was going to be in my life. Simple for a simple man. And it has turned out true. You know, I've been married a little over 18 years now. Praise God. And, um, but I mean, I, I can ask and look out in the audience, has there been anyone else who has received or known that you've received a word of wisdom from the Lord or from someone else? So here's the kind of practical part. It might not work out this week. You might be a little shy or whatever. But I'm going to leave a quick opportunity, and I'm going to give some instruction that if you would like to, and I encourage you, that if you've received a word of wisdom, or you feel like you're receiving something from the Lord right now concerning what we just spoke about, to come up and just share. Make it brief. But step out in faith. I'm going to give a little bit of time for that. We have mics here on the side. The girl who laughed at me. <laughs> Thank you. Red went up. <clears throat> I don't know if this is a word of wisdom, but I have felt like I was supposed to share it for several weeks, and I've been a little chicken about it. Um, but at one point when we were, I think you might have been preaching, um, and we were talking about 
coming up and studying the gifts of the Spirit. And we had also been talking about the armor of God. I felt like I was, as I was praying, I saw a picture of us all in the room together, all in this room. And we were worshiping. And all around the room, there was weapons on the walls and shields and different types of uh, instruments for war. But I felt like they just were hanging there, waiting, waiting for us to put them on. And um, I felt like there was a, it wasn't anything that was going to be forced on us. It wasn't anything that somebody was going to make us put on. But as we feel more bold and as we feel more confident to ask, God is going to put those weapons and he's going to give us those tools. Okay, that's it. This just happened. Where's Becky? Um, we sang a new song today. The title of its battle belongs. And those of us who are older probably remember a very powerful song called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. And the first line of it is, in heaven, heavenly armor will enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. Well, it's good to be home. We were away for a little bit, and it's just, oh, we missed you all. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, the nine gifts, uh, I prayed for all of them. I believe I've received several, <clears throat> waiting for the other two to manifest. Wisdom and knowledge, according to the word of God, it's in there, that when you receive it and have it, you also receive much sorrow and grief because the wisdom you interpret ahead of time when whatever happens, whatever people say, the wisdom kicks in and you realize you realize what it is saying to you what is different than the earthly language. And so it brings sorrow. And a lot of times you've got to withdraw because you know what God has spoken to you, the Holy Spirit. And it's contrary to what is going on or that person says. <clears throat> so it hurts. Whether it's with family, friends, strangers. <clears throat> but still, I'd rather have it. 
and suffer the rest. And that's it in a nutshell. There's so much that the more you learn, the more you know of the Holy Spirit, sometimes the harder it gets because the mysteries that you find is so contrary. We're in this world, but we're not of the world. And you've got to separate the two and know how to act in it and be in it. But it's all worth it. Those who don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit, it says in the word that shall not enter into the kingdom of God. And that alone kicks me in the butt to get out there and say, I want it all. I want it all. Every gift. I can't live without it. I can't live without the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Bless you all. Amen. Thank you. That wasn't too bad. Read quickly from Ecclesiastes 10.10. You don't have to turn there. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. Or in another uh, translation, it brings direction. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads. And the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And also concerning wisdom, we know that what is the beginning of wisdom? Can anyone tell me? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And as some people say it's reverence, I think it's a little more than that. I think it's more than that. And we need to be careful of the words that we use. Always careful. But we need to be bold about it too. If that makes any sense. Okay. <clears throat> I'm just thankful for you guys coming up and doing that. I really do appreciate it. So let's move on to the gift of the word of knowledge. One of the things that the gift of the word of knowledge is it's informative. It's giving us information. And I'm sure, and I know, again, going back to my own childhood, uh, it seemed like my parents had a word of knowledge constantly. It's like, how did you know that? It's like, you were down at the hot spot, you know, getting a fifth of, you know, Kentucky Rose at 2 o'clock in the morning. And it's like, no, that never happened to me. But I'm sure for you guys around here, when you're young and growing up, it's like, how did your parents know these things? How did they know? It's like, well, one, they're, they're more on their parents' side than the kids' side. But God does give those type of words of knowledge. Um, I know I'd gone to my parents before. I was like, how did you know that? How? And they're like, it's like, because we're on our knees constantly, Josh. And that put the fear of God in me. 
Like, it seemed like I couldn't hardly get away with anything, and that's good. Um, you keep taking those stupid tests over and over again if you want to, trying to get away with stuff. Um, and I found out my parents usually, for the most part, were not fooled, and God is never fooled, ever. So, again, the word of knowledge is imparting information. It's very closely associated, I believe, also with the, the word of wisdom. Um, and also, I think it goes along with teaching. I remember Paul, he had that scripture, and you guys remember where, I can't remember exactly that what it was, but it had to do with um, while the, the oxen are threshing, it's like, don't put a muzzle on them. You guys remember that? It's really Old Testament scripture. And he received a revelation from the Lord that that had to do with paying the people who were in your church. And um, it's like, well, how the heck did you get that out of, like, you know, don't put the muzzle on the ox? But it's like he received that revelation. That was, that was the word of knowledge right there. Let's go ahead and find out some other things, too, um, about a word of knowledge. Let's go to Acts 5. Acts 5, it's a really edifying scripture. Starting with verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession... But he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also, being aware of it, and they brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon those who heard these things. Young men came and rose, wrapped them up. Three hours later, his poor wife shows up. It's a little different questioning here. Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, they buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church, and upon all those things who heard those. Uh, no, it's not edifying hearing something like that. But it goes back to, it's like, there's no way Peter, in the natural, would have ever figured out how they had conceived this idea together to try to pull one over on the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure... Ananias and Sapphira didn't really understand that that's what they were doing. They were just trying to impress, perhaps, maybe get into some form of leadership or whatever it was. 
But the Holy Spirit said, you've lied to me. And there's no way that, unless he had investigators going looking for this, but this is something that the Lord dropped right into his spirit. And he's able to pronounce this over both of them. All right, so let's go to something a little (laughs) not as rough. Uh, Acts 16. I got the wrong one. Hang on one second. I got these lines going everywhere. And Seth, this light is doing really well. Thank you. Okay, here it is. Acts 15. So it was during this time, the beginning of the church, where there was a a big to-do about Gentile believers who were just coming in. And we know the story. Peter just preached and gone to a Gentile's house. They all believed. They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit and water baptized. And there was great rejoicing because of that. And, of course, Peter, he had the vision. I don't think that's a word of knowledge, but perhaps it was. But later on, when they were, the council in Jerusalem was getting together, um, there was an issue, especially with... Some of the believers who were of, uh, for the, from the Pharisees, and they believed, and it's like they were, in some ways, it's like, listen, the Gentiles, they need to follow the, the law of Moses as well. If you're a believer, you've got to do both. I know it says uncircumcised, but it means you've got to follow the entire law. So there is a big division in the church because of this. So... We go to Acts 15. Let's see here, starting in verse 15. And this is James. And he says, And with this words, the prophets agree, just as is written, After this I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. So out of that scripture that James was talking about, they came up with a ruling they felt came from the Holy Spirit. Instead of keeping all the laws, the Gentiles were going to have to do just four things. So in verse 19, he says, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from four things. Things polluted from idols, from sexual immorality. That's all types of sexual immorality outside of the marriage bedroom. Everything. From things strangled and from blood. This is from Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Going down to verse 22. This please the apostles and the elders and then the whole church. And they sent people along the way with this letter to the Gentiles that basically said, here's what you guys need to do. Keep doing these things. These four things that we said and believe. 
Um, and it says when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. So, out of that scripture, which talks about rebuilding David's tabernacle and talking about the Gentiles calling and coming to the Lord, James, through a word of knowledge, I believe, from the Lord, was able to receive a revelation of that particular scripture. That this had to do with, it's like, from now on, because you look at it, it's like, well, where does it say that, you know, they're not supposed to, you know, do all these things for the law now? Out of that scripture, James, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, like, the Gentiles do not have to do these things, except for these four. And it pleased the entire church and the elders and the apostles. And they sent people out with letters. And the people were strengthened throughout all the region, throughout the world, because of this. Out of this pretty obscure scripture in some ways. So, I believe that, like it says, a word of knowledge is informative. It could be something like, if there's someone out in the audience who I can see, like, you know, you can't see clearly out of your right eye. It's like, how would I know that? It was like, well, that's the, I believe that's also a gift of knowledge that comes from the Lord. I also believe, like I just said right here, that we can receive through teaching a revelation that comes from God. He opens the eyes of our heart, just like with Jesus with the two disciples as they were walking on the road to Emmaus. So he opened the scriptures to them, and they didn't even recognize him. And he preached Christ, preaching on Christ from the beginning of the scriptures to the end. When he breaks that bread and when he opens our heart. That's when we receive these things. So, I'm going to try it again. Lord, you know, if there's anyone here who has, who they believe, has had a word of knowledge before, can give a testimony about it, or who has one right now, please come on up, exercise your faith, be bold. Okay, this comes out of the scripture. The Lord gave this to me when Josh first started talking about, and Becky, about the armor, and that we are in a battle. But we battle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities of the air. And especially today, we can see that. So Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and of good courage. Do not, be, do not fear or be afraid. Of them, for the Lord your God, He's the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. The battle is the Lord's.
Thank you, Sandy. And we say amen to that. And you guys kind of see as the Lord does these things, there kind of starts to become like a common theme, something kind of interwoven in while these different people were giving these words. And the Lord does that a lot. Not a God of confusion, but of order. We hear these words too. Even though this is practice, it's good practice. Get better at it. Amen? All right. We're not going to beat the Baptist guys. I'm sorry. That's okay. And the last one we're going to talk about is the discerning of spirits. Sounds a little scary. And uh, we know that as the Apostle John exhorted us, test all the spirits. Don't just believe because someone gave a true word that it's from the Lord. There are people out there, and um, whether you believe it or not, that are majorly in the occult, who um, get their words of wisdom from demons, uh, divination, speaking to the dead, mediums, witches, and all the, that sorry lot. It's like it could be accurate as well. And we need not to be just impressed because we hear something that might sound a little true or maybe even really true. But like we're encouraged, put the armor on. Don't think and keep it on. Don't think that in the natural you're going to be able to figure these things out like Sherlock Holmes. You will not. It is far above your pay grade, as Ron would say. It just is. And it's kind of humbling to be able to say, well, why do we need all these things? Because we need them. Because God decided. So, if we could turn to Acts 16. Acts 16, verse 14. Wonderful woman, Lydia. She was the, the first convert in Europe, apparently. A certain woman named Lydia, she heard us, and she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God, and the Lord opened her heart to take heed of these things spoken by Paul. And listen to this familiar passage. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have come and judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my house. So she constrained us. So you see that with some of the men, the um, Cornelius was one of them, him and his entire household believed, and they were all saved, his entire household. We saw that with the jailer as well. When he was about to kill himself, they said, don't harm yourself. After they ministered to him, he believed in his entire household saved. Same thing with Lydia right here. She's able to get her entire household saved. So let's move on from there. Verse 16, so it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us and brought with her masters much profit by fortune telling. You think it's true today? It's a billion dollar industry. Easy. Where do you think a lot of these people get their stock picks from? 
in how to run a business. It's not a joke. People in the West do that now still. Not in some backwoods witch doctor place. It happens all the time. Stay away from it. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Is there anything wrong with that statement? And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, greatly distressed, turned and said to the Spirit, he didn't say it to the girl, he said it to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her. He came out of her that very hour. And when Hermasha saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them in the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us. They just lost money. That's all they cared about. Being Romans to receive or observe. And the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded that they be beaten with rods. It's coming back, you guys. Don't worry. And when they laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Um, And you notice, too, with Paul, it seems like wherever he kind of went, there was a revival or a riot going on. One or the other. It's probably going to happen again in these last days. Either totally accepting it like Lydia did and her family and people rejoicing, or there's going to be people where it's just like, we're not going to have any of this. Give them a good beating and sending them on their way. And Jesus told that to the disciples too. So they will not receive that word from you. Kick the dust off your sandals. Move on. We're coming to those days again. So. She was possessed by an evil spirit, a spirit of divination, which knew things that she obviously did not know. And you either believe it or you don't. I believe it. And I believe that it happens nowadays, too. I think there's a, we need to be careful not to try to fix everything with uh, medication. I think it's got its purposes, and I thank God for doctors and psychiatrists and nurses but again, if we're dealing with the supernatural level of these things, we've gone way beyond the natural and what the natural can do. It's a supernatural thing right here. And to be able to discern these spirits is essential for us. When Jesus was asked about the end times. The first thing he came out of his mouth was what? Do you remember? See to it that you're not what? Deceived. If you guys turn on the television today or other things, it is quite the uh, deluge of deception that's going on. It doesn't even try anymore <laughs> to present some truth. It's just one lie after another. Let God be true and every man a liar. We're there. <laughs> we are absolutely there. So be men and women who can speak the truth. Don't lie. Lies, sometimes we feel like, well, you know, it won't hurt their feelings. I'll cover it up some. 
I'm not saying being a brute animal and smash them over the head with the truth and crush them. The Holy Spirit will let you know what you need to say and even the tone in which you need to say it. But don't say things like, well, I'm just speaking the truth while you're just landing some more wounds on them. Be wise. Have a heart like the Master. And there's times where people need, you know, to get the, the wood laid to them. I get it. But most of the time it's not. Her Master is gentle and he's lowly and he's meek. But he's also the coming judge. And in this age of grace, let's get as much of that grace as we can get. And keep asking for it. Not just that common grace, that extraordinary grace. We need more and more of it. We need more of his wisdom. We need more knowledge, not to puff us up. But Lord, so we can survive and do his will. So I'm going to end with a story. Thankfully, I think I, by this time on the police force, I was in my second year in uh, Gwinnett. And we'd gotten a call that there was a disturbance at the Kroger. Um, there's a grocery store down there. And there's this guy kind of flipping out. So, so, you know, it's probably like double coupon day or something like that. We understand. <laughs> you won't accept these. <laughs> Sorry, they're expired. So we get there, and um, it's actually one of my trainers. Uh, she had trained me during the academy. And uh, the disturbance was over in the produce aisle. Isn't always in the produce aisle. I don't know why. And there's this guy, little guy, probably about five foot three. Um, and he was Hispanic. And he had broken off a piece of glass from a shelf. It's like, where did you guys get a glass shelf here at Kroger's? But anyway, and he was sawing into his neck with it. And he was saying, I am Jesus Christ, your Savior. And I remember I got so mad when he said that. Obviously, these guys got demons. And um, so we were able to kind of get him distracted, one in the front, one behind him. So I was like, or they're by the limes. I was like, hey, guy, look at me over here. And he's, you know, slowing his saw down a little bit. And then he dropped the glass and he began to run towards me. And my sergeant popped him in the back with a taser. He fell over, busted his head. And uh, there's a cleanup in the protocile. So, <laughs> so I got over there. We cuffed him. And um, he came to. <laughs> And he was just furious. I mean, I was looking at his cuffs, and it looked like to me he was bending them. It's like, oh, and I have—I don't have like the weird chain thing. These are like these are linked. And his hands were like purple, and he was like lifting people off because we had EMS check him out because he had a real big uh, gash in his head from the fall. So anyway, they got him sedated and they brought him to the hospital. And I decided, like, listen, I, you know, I made the arrest. We got to go check him out and stuff, make sure he's okay. And so another one of my guys came with me. He was a Marine. Uh, on the, the worst calls, you want a Marine with you. So he came. And um, we got there. And the guy was completely sedated. 
laying in his, uh, his bed. And um, we're talking to the nurse. He's like, have you guys given him anything else? And he's like, no. He's like, you're going to need to because there's something wrong with this guy. And so they went and checked him for his head wound. They brought him back. Um, they wouldn't allow us to handcuff him to his bed. Said, let's just wait until morning shift comes, so we don't have to like clean out the deal with this garbage. So all of a sudden he comes to, and he's just like, just look at us. He just sits up in a bed, it's like The Exorcist. <laughs> he's just like, and he's just like looking at us, and we're like, by this time there's like three of us cops in there, morning watch had come in, and then a rookie cop had come in. And uh, he just looks at us, and he just lets out this horrible scream. I mean, just guttural, and he spits on us. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Just nasty. And then he stands up on his bed, and my buddy gets his taser out, shoots him. This time, it's doing nothing to him. He just looks at us, and he's like, kind of like smiling, just pulls it out. And I was like, oh, it's on, <laughs> you know. So I run over there to get him. And he donkey kicked me right in the mouth. I mean, I just I could feel the teeth crunch. It was so disgusting. And I remember I was so angry, though. I grabbed him. I don't know how he didn't knock me out. I just grabbed him, picked him up, and just threw him on the ground <laughs> and got on top of him. And I was just, just working that poor guy's head into the ground. And there, I mean, it was just like, I just remember thinking at that time, I just felt like a tool in God's hand. That's all I felt like at the time. And that this was Satan's tool, this poor guy. Um, but I was not going to lose because God was inside of me. And that poor guy, just like just beating on him and stuff like that. And they're greenly, we're going to tase him again. So I roll off of him. He gets up like I had done nothing to him. Tase him again. He just pulled it out. This giant guy came out and just kicked him. Didn't do anything to him, and then eventually everyone just kind of dogpiled on him again. And um, he threw them off. We had, like, you know, like a couple security guards there, too. One was, like, over 350 pounds. He goes, I remember him saying, I can't hold them anymore, and he just threw them off. And I rolled back on him, just started beating on his face again. It's like, oh, my God, I think his teeth are going. And... Um, at that time, I looked over at one of the nurses. I was like, would you please get a shot so we could sedate this guy? She said, you need to have plastic gloves on, sir. I said, go get the shot. I know it's a hospital and this is your world, but right now, just go get the shot. So she went over there, administered it, and he was out, you know, in like three seconds. And, I mean, it's like, it was, it was quite the night. And... um you know, we found out later because I wanted to, I had to go to the court on it. Um, I said, like, did this guy have mental issues? Was he on any type of psychotropic, uh, psychotropic drugs? And he said, like, no, there was nothing in the system, no alcohol, no drugs, nothing at all. And he said, when he woke up in the jail, he asked us, like, why were those policemen attacking me and beating on me? He had no idea what was going on. And, um, the supernatural realm is, is real. And I remember telling this story to my dad. He's like, well, Josh, maybe next time you can cast the demon out. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's true, Dad. 
Um, <laughs> it's not going to be like that here. Don't worry. You're not going to get a receive a beating. But um, I'll tell you what. It is like that was there wasn't many times where I could say, yeah, that was definitely dealing with the supernatural. But that certainly was. And um, I remember that word coming out of his mouth where he said that he was the son of God. And that got me so angry. But just to kind of leave you with that story that um, we're going to fight. Like all these ladies and these men came up and said, and don't be unprepared. Don't just go about in la-la land. Enjoy life. I'm saying that. You should, as a Christian, you should enjoy life more than anyone. But it's like we are in a war. We are in a battle. And I don't want any of you guys to be caught unprepared, unready, and didn't know what the heck just happened. These things exist. Our God would not be giving us these gifts these tools, these weapons of our warfare that are mighty for the tearing down of strongholds, not just in our life, but to set the captives free. That's part of who we are as his kids. And I just pray that during this week, you meditate more on the things that I spoke about. I keep encouraging you guys, find time to find God. Even if it's only like 30 seconds, start with 30 seconds. Put down the phone for a little bit. Put it down. Spend 30 seconds with them, being honest, praying to them. And then the next day, work it up to 36 seconds if you've got to. Don't just sit there and do nothing. Don't be just like the guy with one talent who thought he had God all figured out. And he buried the talent and did Nothing. Okay? So, no more scary stories. Father, we thank you for these times that you have placed us in. Lord, we pray that we would be sober, we would be aware of what is going on. Lord, we know that the time of Your appearing is drawing close. Get your people ready. Help us to make disciples of all men and all women and all nations. Help us to get the job done. Father, I pray that we would, Lord, draw near to you. Lord, those people who have come today who are hungry and thirsty, that you would feed them. Lord, that you would give them real drink. We know all these things, Lord, are in your presence. Help us, Lord. Help us to understand that this age is passing away. That this world system is not going to last forever. It is going down. But, Lord, your kingdom is for all time. And it's not going to be shaken, and it never will be shaken. And you're asking us, Lord... They become unshakable as well. Steadfast, unmovable. Lord, these are gifts you've given us. Help us to seek, Lord. Earnestly desire these gifts. 
They're not toys. Bless his people, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.